Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Um, so we have two Bible readings this evening before we get into our sermon. Uh, the first one is from Luke chapter 6 from 27 to 36. So I'll let you grab your Bibles of the book or phone variety. Um, so that was Luke Chapter 6, 27 to 36. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. The second reading is Romans 12, um, from start to finish. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. But just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written... It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will reap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for reading so well. Hey, good evening, everybody. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm Simon. Lots of people around here call me Jacko. Um, I'm uh, the lead pastor, lead elder here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. And I'm, you know, in terms of our three-year kind of history, I'm kind of like, like the new kid on the block. Um, I have only really been around for a handful of months in a formal capacity. Um, and so I feel it's a real privilege and honour to kind of stand up tonight and preach the Word of God on a night like tonight where we celebrate uh, God's kindness, faithfulness, love, mercy, pursuit of us uh, tonight as we celebrate all that he's done in and through us. Um, yeah, so it's great to see you all tonight. I do hope you can stick around for dinner. Uh, we are starting tonight, I'm excited, a brand new sermon series called this, Common Sense for the Silly Season. Um, there's a phrase that goes... Um, what is it? Um, if only common sense was more common. Um, and I think at this time of year, we need a whole lot of common sense, I reckon, to navigate this tricky season uh, that is kind of from now through till uh, Christmas Day or maybe even New Year. Um, who here is looking forward to Christmas? Anyone? Yeah, wow, amazing. Um, who's looking forward to New Year? New Year, ticking over? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This morning I said to Adele, this is me, I said to Adele, I can't wait until Christmas is over. Like, I'm, I hate Christmas. I hate Christmas this year already. You know, bring on 2020. So we've got all these events happening around church. They're going to be really great, but I can't wait until they're over. No, like, so I said to her, she goes, what is wrong with you? And I said, lots of things are wrong with me right now. Um, I am looking forward to Christmas. I sort of cooled down a bit, chilled out, you know, had a chat to my wife. It was really helpful. She's great. She cooled me down. Um, but we do need a bit of common sense as we navigate the silly season of Christmas and New Year. Um, we've been sort of throwing these around the community, sort of a flyer, um, picking a few kind of issues that we feel um, will be helpful for us to get a little bit of common sense around uh, as we engage in Christmas and New Year live in the world. And particularly as God's people, as Christians, we want to know biblical wisdom from God's word, how to navigate some of the issues we might come up against. The issues, we picked five issues, and the five issues are printed here, dealing with difficult people. Welcome to church if you're a difficult person tonight. You've picked a good night to be here. And maybe if your friend has brought you along to church, you're that difficult person in their life, and they're really keen for you to hear about what that might be. Um, Next week, we're going to do coping with consumerism, showing hospitality, uh, food and drink, um, and, uh, and then taking a holiday. All these things we're dealing with, right, are things that you and I f- confront all the time, right? Every day of our lives. We, we're faced with issues to do with consumerism, what to spend our money on, how to spend our time, holidays, etc. What happens is, in this silly season, everything kind of gets a bit sort of amped up, intensified, and we all get a bit anxious and stressed. And uh, just to kind of fill you in, this is what happens in this season. So dealing with difficult people. Who's got a difficult person they're kind of looking, thinking about as they approach this year? You're not going to admit, are you? But um, if you type into Google, right, dealing with difficult people at Christmas time, um, you get all sorts of stuff, right? So WebMD, they'll tell you from a medical point of view how to navigate this season. Uh, Beyond Blue has got a really good article on um, kind of navigating and, and working with difficult people at this time of year. Um, even the federal government's aware we get a bit angsty at this time of the year. So they've kind of got all these things in place to kind of, well, kind of make sure we don't have an anarchy, right, as a, as a world. But uh, anyway, consumerism, right? So last year, on average, each one of us in Australia spent $537 per person on gifts around Christmas time. 
I reckon I spend about that much from like January through to November, and then it sort of goes, it intensifies. Um, $10.7 billion we spent on gifts alone in Australia um, in 2018. Uh, food and drink, no doubt you've been getting the invitations to end-of-year parties for work or uni breakups or maybe someone's planning the, the Christmas lunch and things like that. Basically, when the festive season kicks around, we start drinking and eating a whole lot more. Um, hams run out the door at Woolworths um, and we, we drink more alcohol. Alcohol is a good gift of God, in my opinion, but yet we kind of up the ante. So on average... Most Australians are going to drink 10 standard drinks per week in the festive season. It kind of goes pretty upwards. I don't know, hospitality, um, I'm told that um, come Christmas Day when you sit down, on average, you're going to have eight people around the table at Christmas lunch or dinner. Um, I wonder who they're going to be. Who, you, who do you want to be there? Who are you hoping won't be there? I don't know. But, you know, who are you going to show hospitality to? How are you going to do hospitality? Uh, and fourthly, holidays, right? Australians love taking holidays. Who likes taking holidays? I love holidays. Yeah. In Aust- Australians take more holidays than anyone else in the world, right? So we spend per person, per annum, $4,004. That's per person in Australia, $4,004 per person, per annum on holidays. Amazing. You're sort of doing the maths now. Yeah, I took a flight here. Like, for Australians, right, that's, you could explain it away, right? We live a long way from everywhere, right, in Australia. So to get anywhere, you've got to jump on a plane and pay a bit of money. Obviously, we're a big country, and so it costs a little bit to move around. But even on that scale, we spend a lot of money on holidays. How are you going to spend your holidays? What do we do? How do we rest well when it comes to holidays? So we're going to think about sort of down the track... Um, I don't know, that $4, right? Maybe it's that coffee you buy when you get into the airport, you know, as you're waiting for your flight. I don't know, but um, who knows? It just tips us over the edge. But that's what we're going to do, right? But tonight, um, if we zoom in, tonight we're thinking about how to kind of deal with difficult people uh, during this kind of thing we call the silly season. Um, Let me pray, and then we'll get into God's Word and think about dealing with difficult people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your your love for us, your pursuit of us, your goodness to us. We've even celebrated that just by thanking you for a whole bunch of things tonight. Lord, we thank you and praise you, Father, for your word above all things. And ultimately for the word made flesh, whom we'll celebrate afresh. We do it every week, but again, this Christmas. Thank you, Father, that you in your mercy and kindness have come and dwelt among us. You've revealed yourself uniquely and clearly and perfectly in your son, the Lord Jesus. And so tonight, Lord, we pray as we think upon your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that we would see Jesus. We pray that we would hear Jesus. And we pray, Father, that we would all leave here today loving Jesus more than when we came in. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're looking at dealing with difficult people. Again, we wrestle with difficult people all year round. It's my son being a difficult child, I reckon. There you go. Um, We deal with difficult people. I deal with difficult people every day at my house. But we deal with difficult people every day, except Adele. She's fantastic. Never get annoyed. Um, We deal with difficult people. She's hurt. Oh, my gosh. I better just go and talk to her for a minute just so we can. um. We deal with difficult people all the time, every day. And yet at this time of year, we all end up kind of thrown into a room together, right? So those work colleagues that you kind of walk on past often and hope they never ask you for a coffee, they're going to be in the room with you at a Christmas party. 
And when we sit down for Christmas lunch or whatever it might look like, we're going to be surrounded possibly by some difficult people. We all get put in the same room. Everything gets amped up and we get a bit stressed, we get a bit anxious, we don't really know how to act around these people sometimes. I've got to say, right, as I reflect on my very short life, um, I haven't had all that many difficult relationships, I wouldn't say. I'll be pretty thankful that most of my relationships have been pretty good. I've had a few in recent times which have been complicated. Some of those relationships where you, you pour a lot of energy into those relationships seeking to bring about peace and reconciliation and togetherness and you're pouring a lot of energy in and you just get to a point where you just go, I can't do this anymore. And there's only a few of those. Most of the time I've had really good relationships. But last year in particular, many of you know I had a really hard year last year. Um, but when I was in the midst of some of that really hard year and, and trying to reconcile some relationships, God's word in general was really helpful. But in particular, Romans 12, I found to be really beneficial for my personal walk with the Lord Jesus. And I hope it's helpful for us tonight as we think about dealing with difficult people in light of Romans chapter 12. Now, as we think about this topic, about what it looks like to, uh, to deal with difficult people, how it looks like to live out our Christian faith in the real world, we call that ethics, how to live out the Christian life. When we think about ethics and ethical issue like this, we've got to hold this in mind, that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely intimately connected to our ethics, how we live. They're not separated. We need to get this. The ethical commands that we heard read in chapter 12 of Romans um, they're not just random pieces of advice that the Apostle Paul's kind of grabbed together and says, if you do these things, you're going to look like a Jesus follower. You're going to look like a Christian. That's, it doesn't work that way. The practical insights that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 12 flow directly out of the gospel of God's mercy. That's what we see. And we see this beautifully, actually, in chapter 12, verse 1 of the book of Romans. Um, chapter 12, verse 1, it's on the screen, is this perfect segue between all that's come before, the 11 chapters before in the book of Romans, and all that comes after, chapters 12 through 16. And so have a look at verse uh, 12, verse 1. It's on the screen, hopefully in front of you as well. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The point Paul's trying to communicate to us and what we see tonight, Paul introduces all these ethical commands, these things that we need to do, and he introduces them by saying, remember the mercy of God. Remember God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, do X, Y, and Z, and A, B, and C, and 1, 2, 3. See, the whole book of Romans is about the mercy of God. If you've read the book of Romans, that's what it's really all about. For 11 chapters, Paul just builds this wonderful picture and beautiful, profound theology of just how merciful the true and living God is. Before, and he does all that before then he says, and this is what you are to do. This is how merciful God is. Now do this. That's what we're going to see tonight. So let me just take you through. This is, um, this is Romans chapter 1 to 11 in a nutshell. Um, here we go. Chapter 1 verse to th chapter 3. 
Paul just outlines the sinfulness of all of humanity, that men and women and Jew and Gentile, every single person is a sinful person and we're all desperately in need of the mercy of God. Chapters 3 through to 5, Paul just beautifully tells us this wonderful doctrine of of justification by faith, that we are all sinners, we're all desperately in need of God's mercy and wonderfully and beautifully God has laid our sin, the sin of the world, onto the person of his son Jesus as he hung on the cross. And so through faith in him, we are forgiven and brought into God's family. We receive the mercy of God. Chapters 6 through to 8 of the book of Romans, God just lavishes us with more gifts. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, uniting us to everything that Christ has done. And that spirit renews our life and empowers us to live a life motivated by the mercy of of God. And then chapters 9 to 11, God, Paul just explains how God's plan from the very beginning, his mysterious plan, was that he would take his mercy to every nation of the world. That's Romans 9 to 11 in a nutshell. And can you see why chapter 12 verse 1 is the perfect kind of title or banner or header for what is to come in chapter 12? In view of God's mercy, now live like this. Does that make sense? You're tracking with me? I feel like I'm Matt Chandler there for a minute. Um, you know, there you go. 1 to 11, all about the mercy of God. Now in view of God's mercy, live like this. And the first thing Paul does in verses 3 to 8 of chapter 12 is tells us about this. He says, the gospel of God's mercy and the church. That's what he shows us. He draws us into the gospel of God's mercy and the church. I don't know if you caught it. Verses 3 to 8 of chapter 12. Um, Really, is Paul talking about what it looks like for Christians to serve one another in the church with the gifts that God has given us? It's not a comprehensive list of gifts, so you can have a look in verse 6 up on the screen. Uh, Verse 6, oh, well, let me read from verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Uh, Prophecy there, uh, you've got serving, you've got teaching, you've got encouraging, you've got giving, leading, showing mercy. Paul kind of outlines these gifts that God has given to his church. I want to say at that point, right, that's not, in my opinion, a comprehensive list of all the gifts that God could possibly give us. So if you read that gift and go, Nah, don't have prophecy, nah, don't have teaching, don't have encouragement, don't have generosity, um, I don't lead, and I don't do anything merciful. And you're going, well, I'm going to give a gift. That's not what Paul's on about, right? It's not a comprehensive list, because if you flick a bit forward in the Bible, you come to 1 Corinthians, another letter to a church gone wild, a bit like church here in North Adelaide, and he writes this letter, and he tells them in chapter 12 of that letter, another set of, list, another set of gifts, And the gifts in Romans 12 and the gifts in Corinthians 12 are not identical. There's some crossover. Again, what I think Paul's doing there is just saying, here's a representative list of the gifts that God has given to his church. The main thing that Paul wants to highlight is why God has given us the gifts. And he kind of helps us in verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Paul's saying, we belong to one another. If you're here, and and Paul's writing in Rome and and to us, if you're here and you've experienced the the life-changing mercy of God, 
If you've experienced that, if you've been touched by that, then you belong to other people who've experienced the life-changing and experience of the mercy of God as well. We're a body, all connected, one body. In other terms, we're a family. That's what we Christians are. Paul describes us as a body, and that's, that's how unified we are. A body is unified. And as a result, we use the gifts that God has graciously given us to serve one another. And on a night like tonight, where we're celebrating three years, I think a practical application of this is just to stop and give thanks for everyone who's used the gift that God has given them for the sake of the body of Christ here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. So many people have, not just in the past year, but across the whole three years, used the gifts that God has graciously given us to build the body and strengthen the body so well. I don't know, we could go through everybody. Um, I might get people to stand up, actually, just to embarrass them, but I think this will be a good thing to do. Um, I'd love anyone who's been part of our volunteer staff team. Just want to stand up really quickly. A few people around. Come on, you can do it. Yeah, these guys... These guys are part of our volunteer staff team, uh, representing various ministries we have here at church. Uh, stand up, Mark, over there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Give them a round of applause. Yeah, these guys. You can sit down if you really want to. But these these guys, they meet every month. Uh, basically, uh, they meet. They've often in the last little while meeting at our house. Um, we gather around the word. We gather to think about our church, its various ministries, and see how things are tracking. Uh, because they care deeply for our church. Every month they meet. It's wonderful. It's inspiring. Um, our DG leaders, where are they? Do you want to stand up really quickly? Yeah. There you go. These guys mentioned before. These guys, week in, week out. Some of those groups never stop. Um, you can sit down now. They're teaching the word, opening up their homes, showing hospitality. It's really great. Our elder candidates, where are they? There's a handful of those. I think um, Josh has gone out for a... There you go. Thanks, boys. You can stand up. These guys, again, meeting every fortnight uh, to pray and to think through our, our budget, our understanding of God's word, um, to pray for you guys um, every fortnight. It's really great. We've got a prayer team as well who meets. Um, we have, I don't, know, who's, I don't know, heaps of people here who just do little acts of mercy all over the place. Um, those unseen things that I hear about where people have just gone out of their way to bring a meal, just turn up and listen Wonderful things. And I don't want to embarrass her too much. Um, she, doesn't, she hates this. But I just want to thank Lauren. Just stand up really quickly so everyone see. We've all seen you. There you go. Everyone give Lauren a round of applause. Lauren. Lauren is our sort of, well, I'm a staff member, but she's also a staff member. Um, Lauren is sort of our administrator. She's our uh, communications person. She basically runs the church. Let's just put it like that. Um, she does so much. We pay her one day a week. I reckon she works about 10 days a week. Um, that's what I reckon. So she's a wonderful gift to us from God. So thanks, Lauren. Thanks for using your gifts and talents, everyone, for the good of the church. Um, thank you. There's also a moment here, I guess, to say as well, um, if you're here tonight and, and perhaps you haven't begun to serve, maybe this is an opportunity to think about how you might serve. Um, it's possible, I think, to be a formal member of sort of City Light Church North Adelaide, if we can call it that, and kind of at the same time not really feel like you belong uh, in our church. And it's possible, right, that that sense of oh, that lack of belonging could be because of a lack of serving. Um, I'm going to leave that for you to ponder um, as we press on 
to think now about how the gospel of God's mercy applies to relationships in general. So we're still thinking, we're getting there, don't worry. I haven't sort of got you here on a false premise. We're going to get to difficult people in a minute. But what Paul does here is he then turns to think about applying the gospel of God's mercy to relationships kind of in general. So this is verses 9 through to 13. Um, I think every sentence here is just precious and just dripping with goodness. Um, Listen to these words. Um, Love, Paul says, must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It's extraordinary, right? I reckon there's like 10 sermons just in that sort of one little section. But it's worth really noting how Paul jumps really quickly from thinking about functions and serving in the church to relationships, particularly in the church. Do you spot that? So verses 3 to 8 is all about sort of functions, about serving in the church, how you function as part of the body of Christ, the family of God's people. And then from verse 9 through to the end of the chapter, it's just all about relationships. And I think it's deliberate. Because we see in the other great passage about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, where that's all about gifts that God's given for the good of the church, for the building up of the body. Immediately after talking about all that serving and function stuff, many of you will know what comes after 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about weddings. No, um, it's all about love. It's the passage you probably heard a million times if you've been to a wedding. Love, love, love. I want to know what love is. You know, you read 1 Corinthians 13. Um, It's all about love. Having written about function and serving, Paul reminds the Christians in Rome and us tonight that love actually trumps everything. For Paul, whenever he mentions functions, he always says sincere love is more important. Good relationships trump effective ministry. And again, you know, it's really possible for some of us here tonight you know, to serve our hearts out at City Light Church North Adelaide in many ways, maybe in every single domain of our church. And yet maybe the word the Lord wants you to hear tonight is the call to love. It's possible to be zealous in service but distant in your connections with other Christians, other members of our church. It's possible. See, Paul wants you to see, us to see, that the gospel of God's mercy doesn't just shape our functions, how we serve, it intimately is connected to our relationships. And so in the final paragraph, and this is what you've all come to church for, this is what Paul says, I think, about dealing with difficult people. Verses 14 through to 21. We've landed, we've arrived. How do we deal with difficult people, especially in this amped up, intensified, stress-filled, anxiety-provoking, silly season? Have a look. Difficult people. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace 
with everyone. How the heck do you do that? Do you read that and go, whoa, like, I don't know how to do that. That's, that seems impossible. It's at this point, right, where you've got to kind of come back to what we talked about right at the beginning, that connection between the gospel and ethics, or the gospel and how we live. You've got to come back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and remember the title, the banner, the, the header of this particular chapter, in view of God's mercy, say it with me, in view of God's mercy, now do A, B, C, X, Y, Z, 1, 2, 3. If you forget that, you're kind of going to get lost. You're going to lose the logic of what Paul is saying. You're going to think, wow, this just seems ridiculous. I can't do this. But in light of God's mercy, it all begins to make sense. See, the gospel of God's mercy towards sinful people makes it actually possible, even, well, I think logical, to love even the unlovely, to bless those who curse. After all, God loved us, didn't he? He loved me. He loved you. He came to us with blessing. He pursued us with love. You know, in Jesus, right, God blesses persecutors. In Jesus, God mourned with those who mourned. In Jesus, God associated with people of low position. The living God in the gospel does not repay evil with evil. No, he meets evil with what? With love. And as a result, Jesus, God himself, does what the final verse of chapter 12 calls us to do in all of our relationships. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, that's what the gospel does. See, in our rebellion towards God, we're not met with the the vengeance and the wrath of God, but we're met with the God who's willing to give himself on a cross that we would be forgiven, we would be adopted and brought into his family, we would be forgiven, adopted into his family, and given eternal life, all because of his mercy. In view of God's mercy, Paul says, live out the gospel, especially with difficult people. You might be wondering, right, up on the next slide, it sort of talks about, you might have heard this, you know, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I'll repay, says the Lord. Um, And it goes on, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And you think, wow, is that how I get to deal with difficult people? Get some burning coals and heap them on his head? That doesn't sound very loving or kind. Just really quickly on that, what Paul is really highlighting there, it's just an ancient figure of speech, really, for shaming your enemy with your kindness. That's what he's saying. You know, but the big point's this, right? If, if you know that at the centre of the universe, if, if, if you know that at the centre of your life is the God who loves the unlovable, even the sinner, even you, then you have the logic, then you have the power for getting along with people who are like really difficult. The gospel frees us to live at peace with difficult people. And you know why? Because we know that in our sin, right, we are difficult people. I'm a difficult person. And yet God comes to us with what? Blessing and love and peace and provision. In view of God's mercy... This makes sense. 
Now, I thought we could do a thought experiment, all right? Thought experiments work really well when you close your eyes. Okay, so I want you to close your eyes. I'll do this in a minute. But I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about, like, the most difficult person in your life, or the most difficult people in your life. You're doing that? You bring them to mind? Don't get too agitated. Just breathe. I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you believe that the insult that that difficult person or those difficult people have caused you is greater than the insult your sins have caused Almighty God? Keep thinking about those people. Secondly, do you believe that it's more logical for God to bless you than for you to bless those difficult people? You can open your eyes. You see, the gospel frees us to pursue peace with difficult people. And, and I wonder if tonight is a good night for you to resolve to, to do this, to sort out some of those difficult relationships, to pursue some of those difficult people with the mercy and the peace of God. Maybe tonight is a good night for you to, to leave this building Um, Maybe once you've had some grazing table and some pizza and some good times and shared some stories, to to make a real effort this week, this silly season perhaps, to pursue some of those people you would consider difficult people. Maybe with a fresh vision of the miraculous mercy of God towards you a sinner, me a sinner, we could go out of here and resolve to sort out some of those difficult relationships. And to bless where there is cursing, to pursue peace where there's some friction. You see, Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. So one thing I want to say tonight is maybe you need to go and sort out some relationships. But there's also, because the gospel frees us to do that, right? But there's another kind of freedom here as well. In that verse, I think, verse 18, Paul kind of frees us from the burden of having to be at peace with absolutely every single person you've ever come across. Um, I don't know if you're like me, right? Um, I have this pathological desire, right, to be liked. Yeah? Anyone else share that with me? Anyone want to join, you know, come up the front and we'll hang out together? You know, I just want everyone to like me. You know, when I, th- when I hear someone, oh, I don't really like what Simon's been saying lately, you know, I'm like, tell me, who is it? Who is it? I want to go around to their house and go, here's some cake, here's some tea, let's sort it out. You know, I can't bear the fact you don't like me. You know, if I've, I have that. That's a problem, right? I own that. But the wonderful thing here is that Paul is saying sometimes you don't have to be at peace with everyone, and that's okay. Sometimes you won't be liked, and that's actually okay. It's wonderfully freeing for us individually. It's wonderfully freeing for us as a church who seeks to represent the Lord Jesus in this city. Because there are things that we hold to here at City Light Church North Adelaide that the, people, the world around us don't really like very much. And they hear things we say, they watch what we do, and some people go, I don't like you guys very much. And there's a sense in which I'm like, oh, no, don't, we're, we're not that bad. 
I mean, you should come and have dinner with us every other week. It's really nice. We're, we, we, I've only got one head, you know, ten fingers. You know, there's a sense we want to be liked. And yet there are things we hold to because we believe that God is alive and living and active and he's spoken to us through his son definitively and we hold to his word that's going to put us at odds with the world around us. We can't be liked by everyone. And the gospel frees us and says, that's okay. And there's also a reality, right? There are people in my life who I am not at full-blown peace with, but I, I've worked hard to establish that, and there are people who just won't ever like me, and I've got to learn to get used to that. But I'm able to sit okay with that because, you know what, I know that in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am secure, I am loved, I am safe, I am accepted, and I'm at peace with my maker, and that allows me the freedom to, to be the person that God has made me to be, not to be an obnoxious jerk, but to be confident in my creator, to be secure in my saviour. And the freedom of being able to be in that place is wonderful. And we can say that about ourselves as a church as well. If you're confident in God's love, that he's accepted you, that you are at peace with him through faith in the Lord Jesus, you can bear the fact that some people may not like you. When you're secure in the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you can put up with the fact that people will think you're a bit of an idiot, a twit. It's a wonderful freedom to be so secure in the grace of God. You know, I want to push that a bit further just personally as a pastor and perhaps speak on behalf of the elder candidates here tonight. Maybe I can't speak on behalf of them. You can ask them individually. But there's a, there's a sense of which as well, as a pastor, I want you guys to really like me. I don't want you guys to ever kind of not be kind of cool with who I am and what I say. But you know what? I, I hope that you pray for myself and also pray for the elder candidates here at City Light Church North Adelaide that we, in our decision-making, wouldn't be driven by the desire to be liked, but that we would be driven by the desire for what is best for us and the glory of God. Applies to all of our relationships as well. I know that some of you are in really difficult relationships. How do I know that? You tell me. And I want to say to you, the more you know God's mercy towards you in the Lord Jesus Christ, the more at ease you'll be with the fact that sometimes things just don't work out. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We are all difficult people, aren't we? I'm a difficult person. We all know lots of difficult people. Absolutely, you are going to face some of those people in the next six weeks in view of the mercy of God. Let's love them because of the fact that God has loved us. We grieve him, we cheat on him all the time, and yet he pursues us and he treats us like we don't deserve. So let us pursue peace as we're able to today, this week and throughout the silly season. Let's pray and ask God to help us to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you so much for your mercy towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we thank you and praise you for your mercy to us. Without it, we would be hopeless and helpless and still lost and sunk in our sin. 
And so, Lord, we pray, Father, that tonight uh, you would empower us afresh with a vision of your mercy for, towards difficult people like us. That, Father, we would be able to live out, Father, the, the commands that Paul gives us tonight to, to, not, persecu- to not maintain persecution, Father, to, to bless where there is cursing, to love. And so, Father, as we tonight... Um, celebrate all that you've done for us here at City Light. And as we go into this silly season, Father, we pray that you'd help us to be like Jesus, Lord, to love like Jesus, to be merciful like you. And Father, we thank you for the freedom of the gospel. We thank you that in Jesus we are fully accepted. We are loved by you. Father, thank you for the freedom that that gives us the confidence that gives us to live for you in this world, even when people don't like us. So strengthen us, Father, by your Spirit, uh, that we might uh, represent you well in this world every day until we see you and enjoy you forever. And we pray this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.